Hey everybody, how you doing out there this Friday night, March the 3rd, 2023. It is time for the Fortress of Rock. I am the maestro Kevin Crane, glad to have you aboard as always. Our weekly look at the past, the present, the future of rock and roll. And as always, segment one, we start off with news of the world. Our tribute to Freddie Mercury and Queen. Let's start off with tour news. We cover tour news most of the year. You know, it gets a little bit dicey in the holiday season because bands don't really like to to put out tour news that early for the following summer. So we're getting a lot more dates, tours that are getting set up here as we slowly but surely start to exit out of winter. Although, as I look out the window here at the Fortress of Rock studio, winter is not over yet. Here in the upper Midwest, we're getting hit with a quick but fierce snowstorm, but I'm used to it. If you live where I live, you know that it's five months of winter, and you wonder why I turn to this podcast with enthusiasm each and every Friday night, because sometimes I wonder why I put myself through this five months out of the year. God, wouldn't it be nice to be able to function normally 12 months out of the year as those folks who listen in down in Florida and Alabama and Georgia and the Carolinas with the occasional spate of bad weather. All right, the Doobie Brothers. They keep running. It keeps them running. They must be pulling in some uh, nice money here on this reunion tour with Michael McDonald. They have added 30 new U.S. dates to their tour, running June 2023 through October of 2023. I know here locally they're going to be playing at the Allen County Memorial Coliseum in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Now, obviously, after waiting and waiting through COVID delays, I finally got to see them here last year. So I'm good. Even the Fortress of Rock has a budget. So I fully recommend for anybody who has not seen the reunion tour yet, Check out the Doobie Brothers. Great, great show. They've still got a lot of energy. When I reviewed this, you guys know the only quote-unquote issue I had with the whole deal was Michael McDonald still likes to go off script and just scat and bebop and not follow along and, and... sing the songs as he wants to, which 
I'm all for changing a song up live every once in a while, but he goes too far. You can't sing along with him. But beyond that, Simmons, Johnston, the rest of the band do a phenomenal job. So check out the Doobie Brothers. Santana. Of course, we know we had a health scare here recently with Carlos Santana. They've got 14 U.S. dates scheduled from June until August, calling it the 1001 Rainbows Tour. So if you are a fan of Carlos Santana, you got another opportunity to see him. Good to hear that he is healthy, at least healthy enough to go out on tour. But the biggest news this week, when it comes to the rock and roll tours coming to North America, Paul Stanley, my understanding is, Paul Stanley wanted to pull the plug, finally, on the end of the road farewell tour for KISS, whereas Gene Simmons had spouted off about adding a hundred more dates. It seems like Paul got his way, if the reports are true. We have an end. We have a concluding set of dates for the end of the road tour. KISS will call it quits. They will not go into 2024. They will wind up their careers on the road at Madison Square Garden, fittingly in New York City, in early December. The final dates they've tacked on run through October through December. There is one crucial date for the Fortress of Rock. couple days after Thanksgiving, they will be playing the Gainbridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, and I will do my best to be there to give you a review. Now, of course, I saw them at the beginning of the End of the Road Tour, but it would be kind of cool to see one of the first shows on the farewell tour, as well as one of the last shows on the farewell tour. So, if you want to see KISS, if you have not seen KISS, and believe me, it took me a long, long, long time to finally get to see them. And then when I finally got to see them, I just took every opportunity possible. You've got to get out there and see this show because there will be no 2024 or beyond. New music, great, fantastic news when it comes to new music. 
perhaps I am overly enthused about this, but it has been 15 years, 15 long years since we got a new album from Extreme. One of my personal favorites, of course. You guys know that I love Gary Sharon, former one-off lead singer for Van Halen. But Extreme. If you have never listened to anything outside of, I will assume you listen to Porno Graffiti, their biggest hit album. With more than words and wholehearted, good for you. But if that's all that you know about Extreme, you are really, really missing the boat. Waiting for the punchline, Saudades de Rock, Three Sides. This will be their sixth album, coming out June the 9th. Yes, aptly, simply titled Six. With an awesome album cover, by the way. I'm not going to spoil it because it's a visual thing. You've got to go out and see for yourself. It just screams rock and roll to me. Badass rock and roll. Now, Nuno Betancourt, of course, the guitarist for Extreme, has talked about how this latest effort from his band has been expanded inspired personally for him by the passing of Eddie Van Halen. And if you listen to the brand new single, which just came out this week, Rise, video out on YouTube, you can listen to the song on Spotify, obviously, wherever you listen to your streaming music, you can hear it. I'm telling you, you can hear it. I will give you a full and complete review of Rise next week. I don't like to jump into a review without giving it at least seven days to breathe like a fine wine. But Rise is absolutely and completely what Nuno Betancourt is talking about when he says he was inspired by Eddie Van Halen. Rise to me almost sounds like what Van Halen Mach 3 should have sounded like with Gary Sharon. I'll leave it to you. My listeners out there, you sample it, you listen to Rise, you tell me. If you cannot hear the great Eddie Van Halen channeling through Nuno Betancourt. Cannot wait for June the 9th. Cannot wait for 6. From Extreme. Now the one thing I will say about this. That kind of upsets me a little bit. Obviously only the 6th album from Extreme. In 3 decades. And I get a little bit upset with Nuno Betancourt because I wonder 
is the only reason we're getting this album because of what we saw at the halftime of the latest Super Bowl. Because, of course, you know his side project is playing guitar in Rihanna's band. I'm sure it's a well-paying gig. I am sure she makes it worth his while. But if I was him, and I am not, but I had a moderately successful band out there, and I could keep going young enough. They're younger than Poison. They're younger than Motley Crue. Younger, obviously, than Kiss. They are the guys that could possibly, maybe, along with Guns N' Roses, Skid Row, keep the rock and roll vibe from the late 80s, early 90s, driving forward. How long has he kept Gary Sharon, Pat Badger, how long has he kept this band on hold, kept those guys on hold while he's playing, I'm sorry, meaningless guitar work for Rihanna? To me, it's, again, I'm a cynical guy. I look on the dark side, but is he simply doing it because he can make a paycheck, a nice, nice paycheck, instead of going back to his guys, his boys from Extreme, and putting together music that could enhance their legacy? Right now, Extreme should have had at least eight or nine albums out. And if it's because of this whole Rihanna thing, then it does disappoint me a bit when it comes to Nuno. But once I heard Rise, once I heard his guitar work on Rise, water under the bridge, I will forgive him, especially if the rest of six is as good as Rise. Now here's an interesting modern-day marketing strategy. Normally, bands announce a new song. Maybe two or three weeks later, they announce the arrival or the impending arrival of a new album. I have never heard of a band who has said, you will get a new song from us in two weeks. Here's the title, but you got to wait two weeks before you get it. It just seems very interesting and odd to me in this day and age. I don't know if you guys can hear this in the background, but this is so cool. We're getting thunder snow right now. We are getting thunder snow. Isn't that like the coolest rock and roll thing ever? Anyway, I digress. So Matchbox 20. We have not heard from them in quite a while. 
they have been trying to get their tour going for years and years, and they have suffered through COVID delays. So finally, maybe this year, they'll get back out on the road. So hopefully this announcement means that there is a new album coming in 2023 from Rob Thomas and the boys. But again, like I said, very interesting to announce that we've got a new song coming out, but you can't listen to it yet. You got to wait till March the 17th until you hear and listen to this title. This is a very, very bizarre title. Now, do I love it? Yes. Can I, I can't wait to hear it. But again, a really bizarre title. The new Matchbox 20 song is Wild Dogs, subtitled Running in a Slow Dream. Once again, not out yet. Out March the 17th. I have faith in Rob Thomas. I do think he is one of the best songwriters out there. Again, they upset me. We just talked about Extreme. 15 years between albums. Matchbox 20, not much better right now. Yes, we know Rob Thomas has his solo career. But at least we're getting new stuff. So when we get to the end of March, of course, the Fortress of Rock will review the new Matchbox 20 song, Wild Dogs, Running in a Slow Dream. Then finally, we joke about it each and every week. We've been doing it now for months. You can't go through a week here on the Fortress of Rock. You cannot go through a week here in Segment 1, News of the World, without talking about the drama either in Journey or in Pink Floyd. So, guess what? Last week, we talked about Journey and how Greg Rowley came back, rejoined them. Good drama, positive stuff. But now we move back to Pink Floyd this week, and it's negative and it's nasty. The city of Frankfurt in Germany for those of you who somehow have forgotten about geography. Frankfurt has canceled the upcoming May 28th concert with Roger Waters due to his history of anti-Semitism. And I've told you guys, I do not think Roger Waters is a good human being. I think he's arrogant. I think he's pompous. I think there's something insidious and nasty and possibly borderline evil about him. We recently talked about David Gilmore and his wife and how they took to social media. Her more so than him, but he agreed with her comments.
I've told you about the comments him, that Roger Waters himself, that he's made, that if you don't want to listen to him and his political views, don't go to his shows. So that tells you he doesn't care about his music as much as he claims to. He cares more about his ego himself and how he thinks the world should be run. And then, of course, we talked about recently the audacity of Roger Waters re-recording the classic album, Dark Side of the Moon, on his own, without the rest of the members of Pink Floyd. But for Frankfurt to come out and, and say right out in the open, we don't want Roger Waters playing in our city because he is an anti-Semite? Yikes. That's not good. And we know the history of Germany going back over the last century. And obviously, things have changed. They have tried to do better. They have rebuilt themselves. New leadership, new attitudes. And you cannot throw the word anti-Semite around casually. I know that's the way the world works nowadays, but you just honestly, among those of us sane, logical, mature individuals out there left in the world, you can't throw accusations like that around lightly. But this went before the city panel, the city board, and they voted to say, we don't want Roger Waters in our city performing because history shows to them that he is an anti-Semite. So maybe Roger Waters, he's got all the money he needs in his limited time left on this world. And I'm sure he'll fight back angrily and claim that he's never done anything wrong. But maybe Roger Waters needs to look at himself in the mirror and make some peace with the former members of Pink Floyd, with the fans, with everybody. Stop being so arrogant. This is a problem we see in Hollywood, in California, in New York, in America. I'm sure other countries have issues similar to ours. In that creative types, instead of focusing on the creative work that they became famous for, decide, well, now I can be an expert in everything and anything, even though I never went to school for it. I don't have a degree for it. I don't have all that much real world experience other than being on a tour bus overseas or in other countries. 
the ego needs to settle down. The ego needs to be brought down a little bit. And maybe what Frankfurt has done here, I doubt it, but maybe the move here that Frankfurt has done will cause Roger Waters to think a little bit about his attitude, his ego, and maybe realize he needs to be part of the solution, part of the rest of the world, and not act like he is so far above it that he can dictate who's right, who's wrong, in his eyes, because he's simply a rock and roll performer. All right, with that, we end News of the World. Segment one here, episode 81 on March the 3rd, 2023 is over. Again, as I listen and watch this thundersnow, it's just fascinating to me. We never get this kind of stuff where I live. It's you usually the blizzard or the, you know, late summer massive thunderstorms never get the combo. But uh, segment two is coming up next here on the Fortress of Rock. Breakdown, of course. Steel Panther. We will do our best to review this new album without breaking our rules as we try to keep the Fortress of Rock podcast clean. And it's going to be tough, believe me. Then, of course, later on, Doc Brown and I are going to take the DeLorean out into the thundersnow and take you back in time into rock history. All that good stuff still to come here on Friday night, March the 3rd. I'm the maestro. This is the Fortress of Rock. I'll be right back. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Fortress of Rock podcast with me, the maestro, Kevin Crane. Of course, that was segment one, the news of the world, our tribute to Freddie Mercury and Queen, where we look back at the past week in rock and roll and all the news and all the controversies that you deserve to know about. Next up is the heart of the show, the meat and potatoes breakdown where we are going to review all the new songs all the new albums all the new concert tours the shows that i've seen personally stay tuned for that of course we're now available on spotify anchor apple stitcher Castbox, google pocket cast and radio public wherever you listen to your favorite podcast hang out kids we'll be right back All right, everybody, welcome back to the Fortress of Rock here, segment two in episode 81, March the 3rd, 2023. This is Breakdown, of course, our tribute to the late, great Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Going to be a very interesting segment here because I have to show some restraint I've mentioned in the past I do multiple podcasts, some of them 
very explicit sports frenzy 2.0 i get to vent about sports in the weekend edition i get to vent about movies and pop culture and the idiocy of hollywood and i do not let anything hold me back curse swear terrible awful innuendo but i don't apologize for it i have another podcast i do with my daughter very very clean very very straightforward as is the fortress the fortress is here to talk about rock and roll and as body as nasty as rock and roll can get i'm here to try to make this podcast as accessible as it can be for everybody out there so with all that being said i have to try to put together a review for you of steel panther's new album on the prowl now for those of you who do not know steel panther steel panther is one of my current favorite bands out there i've seen them on tour i've seen a couple of their concerts here in the last year and a half or so it is an experience to behold but it is an adult experience what steel panther does they are a mix of the most sexually explicit offensive comedian think andrew dice clay mixed with weird al yankovic mixed with all of the best songs from the 80s when it comes to poison motley crew judas priest i know hard to imagine hard to fathom but that is the brilliance yes i will say it the brilliance of steel panther and if you have a very very sensitive ego you have a very very touchy moral compass stay away i'll tell you that right now now you can listen to this review i'm not going to curse i'm not going to swear i'm not going to say any of the stuff steel panther says in about 90 percent of their lyrics in their songs but and i should point out that means that i am going to break a cardinal rule here on the fortress of rock i will not go song by song because even some of the titles on the 13 songs on the brand new album on the prowl are too much for me to mention here is again i try to keep things family friendly to as much of an extent as i can but i will again in general defend steel panthers right to do what they do because they do it so well they are clever beyond belief if you listen to the lyrics
Yes, it's all about sex. There's more sex, and then maybe at the end there's a little more sex. But the double entendres, the the metaphors, the puns, everything is just so ridiculously clever in its raunchiness that I can't help but love them. And I understand, again, for the last time, I emphasize, they're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Here's an example of what I'm talking about. You guys know I'm a a CD guy. I am one of the, the last, the few people out there who still buys CDs. I'm not plugging my phone into my car to listen to my music. I'm grabbing a CD. I'm putting the CD in the slot, which, of course, I'm sure Steel Panther could come up with a a body reference for in about two seconds. That's how I prefer to listen to my music. That's why when I bought my car, I got the last model possible that had a CD player in it. So I bought the CD of On the Prowl from Amazon. Number one, kudos to Steel Panther. Some of these bands out there, we talked about the Winery Dogs a few weeks back and their third album, and we reviewed that. But here's something interesting. You guys are all aware of online reviews, and they can be skewed. And, of course, there's people out there who just review things positively to bump up the rating. Even though they work for a certain company that backs the product. Just to get those numbers, that rating up. So when initially... I was thinking about buying the winery dogs. I looked at Amazon and saw the price, which blew me away. I mean, blew me away. Now, sometimes those prices will come down when the album goes on sale. So you just show some patience and you wait. With the winery dogs, $17 for the CD, single CD. And it has never come down in price. So the first review I saw on Amazon for the Winery Dogs was a one-star review. Now, I had to read it because I thought the album, as you guys know, was pretty good. So I click on the review and I look and and I, I, I have to admit, I sympathize for the reviewer because he said, The album is good. I know I've listened to the music on Spotify already. It's good. But for you to charge me $17 for a single CD is pathetic. And you guys need to fix this. I don't know if it's the record label, the band, Amazon. You got to fix it. And then, of course, you get all the requisite mouth breathers who come out who haven't read the review in full, understand what's going on. And they go, oh, you know, can you give the album one star? You're, you're a jerk. You're a moron. 
because that's the only avenue we've got to fight price gouging like that. Now, flip it. With Steel Panthers on the prowl, $9. $9 for the full CD. With liner notes, with full lyrics, in a decent package. It's not all cardboard like Bruce Springsteen will give you and still charge you $14. So Steel Panther's actual physical CD, again, hearkening back to 80s prices, only $9. It's actually more to buy the digital version on Amazon than to buy the CD. That's the whole point I was getting at here for the first part of my review. Now, I mentioned a one-star review initially when I looked at the winery dogs. Same thing here. When the Friday rolled around where On the Prowl came out, checking my order review, my order status, Amazon tells me we can't send it to you on release day. It's going to be a couple days late. That's fine. Still getting it for nine bucks. That's fine. One review, one star. And some guy, his screen name is, get this, here to the number two, rock you. The letter U. Yes, this guy gives it a one star and chastises us because we're all immature. We need to grow up. Steel Panther is terrible. A scourge on the, the history of rock and roll. Again, this is a guy called Here to Rock You telling all of us we need to grow up. Lighten up. If you don't want to deal with the music, you don't want to deal with the lyrical content, you always have the option to turn it off, not listen to it, not buy it. Don't tell everybody else what to do. And that's how you've got to look at Steel Panther. You've got to look at the whole picture. You've got to look at the fact that they get it. They price their music lower because they don't want to gouge their fans. They're hearkening back to the, the glory days that they pay tribute to, the 1980s. You can call the lyrics misogynistic. I say... They are fighting sexual repression. We all need to lighten up. If you want to look at it as a joke, then you get the joke, or you don't get the joke. If you want to look at it in a deeper context, then I will tell you that I think America is sexually repressed, where you say it's misogynistic. So again, Tit for tat, <laughs> no pun intended.
one side versus the other, divided as we always seem to be here in America in 2023. So again, I can't do this song by song. I've just got to tell you, it's a catchy album. It's a great album. Lyrical content aside. Now a song we reviewed on The Fortress here recently, 1987. We can talk about arguably one of the best songs on the album. A great look back at that era that I've been discussing here. Ad nauseum. But the lyrics, if you listen to them, are so heartfelt and so cool. And you tell me, as the boys reference, if you didn't think in 1987, Dave and Eddie were getting back together. That line in in and of itself alone makes 1987 worth listening to. You've got guest appearances on the album from Dweezil Zappa. The closing song, Sleeping on the Roll Away, is awesome. Again, a lot of the the titles I can't discuss. Teleporter is interesting midway through the album. I think it starts off with an Iron Maiden-type riff. Very cool. There's the whole We're Getting Older song, Ain't Dead Yet, where lead singer talks about his six-pack as becoming a keg. Again, the rest of the, the, rest of the songs, the rest of the lyrics, I don't know where I'm going to go with them. I can't talk about them. And I will tell you on the second song of the album, Friends with Benefits, they might go too far even for me. And I consider myself pretty pretty liberal when it comes to accepting sex, violence, anger in my lyrics because I can separate it from the real world. But even Steel Panther might go a little bit too far in Friends with Benefits. But that being said, I would say listen to this album if you're of my generation. If you grew up in the 80s, even if you grew up in the 70s, before the age of flannel and staring at your toes wearing flannel, mumbling about how you were abused and how you were treated so badly for the last 20 years. If you're one of those rock and roll fans, stay away. Stay away from Steel Panther. Otherwise, if you grew up with the crew or the hedonistic disco era of the 70s or Poison or Rat or Enough's Enough, you will probably be able to not only accept but love Steel Panther. All right, so for our song reviews this week, a couple curveballs. I mentioned 
these last week. I briefly touched on them. How I was going to go off the the uh, traditional path, if you want to call it that, and grab some songs from a couple bands that I really don't normally listen to because they had prominent guest vocalists on these songs that I actually do love. So let's start off with a band that's very popular. I've had friends of mine tell me they are a badass hard rock band. They are the Who. If you've seen their picture, if you watch, listen to Spotify on your TV, or maybe even on your phone, the band's picture will pop up. (laughs) These guys, wow. Yeah, these guys are uh, intense. So when I tell you the song that I'm going to review is called This Is Mongol, subtitled Warrior Souls, and you see their picture, you will get what I'm talking about. Now, the cool thing about this song is that they have brought in Allison Chain's co-lead singer, William Duvall. And of course, William Duvall was brought in after the death of Lane Staley. So, of course, Jerry Cantrell is still the de facto leader of Alice in Chains, but William Duvall handles about half, roughly half the vocals. Again, another band, and I will beat this drum to death, another band that does not put out nearly as much content, new content, as they should. This new configuration of Alice in Chains with William Duvall has only put out two studio albums in over a decade. Unforgivable. That being said, This Is Mongol isn't bad. It's not over-the-top, screamo, death metal, like you'd get from like Five Finger Death Punch or Disturbed bands that we do not talk about here on The Fortress because, frankly, I think they're trash. But this song by The Who isn't that bad. And, of course, William Duvall. I wouldn't have reviewed the the song at all if I hadn't first listened to it and known that William Duvall had a prominent part in the vocals. Sometimes you see the, the guest star stuff And it's really a very, very minor role for the guest star. So the reason I picked this song and the next one was because these these guest singers actually do make a major impression on these songs. So this is Mongol is actually a pretty decent, solid rocker. And William Duvall does chime in with his distinctive vocals. So I actually like this. I would recommend you guys check out this song by The Who. I'm trying to differentiate. A lot of people want to call them The Who, and then people get confused and saying, what, you're talking about Pete Townsend and Roger Daltrey? No, no, not that Who, the other Who. 
What what other hue? No, the the hue that where they look like they're fighting off hordes on the Great Wall of China. That hue. No, 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 no. So good song. Check it out. Now this one, the final one I'm going to review here on Breakdown this week. Band I had never heard of before. I had heard of The Who before. I have friends who listen to them. Not completely out of the loop on, on newer rock, but still. I have never heard this band, Fire From The Gods, before. Never heard of them. And this is where Spotify has actually worked well for me at times. They make some great suggestions. Other times, awful suggestions. But of course, like you, I have half a brain. I can figure out which ones to filter out and which ones to give a try to. Which ones to let have a go at it. Let's listen to it. Let's see something new, something different. So, Fire from the Gods. The song is a, it's called A Thousand Lifetimes. But what drew me in, of course, again, another guest vocalist. In this case, even more impressive than William Duvall of Alice in Chains. You get on Thousand Lifetimes an appearance from one of my favorite singers of all time. I put him in the top five all-time rock vocalists personally. So all you you rock snobs out there, shut up, settle down, okay? Personally for me, I love Corey Glover of Living Color. I think his voice is strong, passionate, fierce, angry, everything you want out of a rock singer. He's up there for me with the greats, Chris Cornell and Jim Morrison. I just love Corey Corey Glover's voice is second to none in the rock pantheon. And he makes a prominent appearance here on the song Thousand Lifetimes from Fire from the Gods. Now, the only problem I have with this this song now it's it for the most part it sounds like it could have been a lost living color track but the lead singer from fire from the gods vocally very similar to Corey glover but a weaker weaker version so i don't want to rip on him but at the same time when you can hear the strength in Corey glover's voice the difference in the tone, the timber, the anything, any anything you want to compare in terms of vocal range, ability, Corey Glover basically is this guy and what he would want to be if he was like five times better. And again, that might sound mean, that might sound callous and cruel, but that's why Living Color, in my opinion, is a borderline Rock and Roll Hall of Fame legendary band and Fire from the Gods probably will never play for more than 200 people on their best night. Their lead singer is just a weaker, weaker version of Corey Glover. Now, 
Again, Glover lifts this song up. The song is structured with a little bit of rap rock, a little bit of heavy metal, where, again, it sounds like it could have been a lost Living Color track. I liked it a lot, so I recommend you check out Thousand Lifetimes from Fire from the Gods, featuring Corey Glover of Living Color. All right, kids, that's going to do it for segment two. Breakdown is over. Next up, in the nasty thunder snow that we're getting here in the upper Midwest, Doc Brown and I are going to take the Rock and Roll DeLorean out as we do every Friday night. You don't want to miss it. I Want to Go Back is coming up next. Stay tuned. All right, now that we've looked at the current state of music in our breakdown segment, it is time to climb into the DeLorean and travel back in time to look back at moments in rock and roll history, birthdays, deaths, anniversaries of song and album releases. It is time for I Want to Go Back, our tribute to Eddie Money. Stay tuned. And as always, we're on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public, anywhere where you listen to your favorite podcasts. Doc Brown is not happy with me right now. I told him I don't care about the thunder snow. It's snowing an inch or two every hour right now. He doesn't like taking the DeLorean out in this kind of weather. We have to commit to the podcast, I tell him. We have an obligation to our listeners. So we are in the car. We're taking the rock and roll DeLorean out. The windshield wipers are going full speed. We're going to make it into the time stream here on episode 81. March the 3rd, 2023, and we will get into I Want to Go Back. Of course, the third segment here each and every week on the Fortress of Rock. Our tribute to Eddie Money, anniversaries of classic album releases and moments in rock history, birthdays, great stuff. But of course, this is a time where we also take care of some bitterness. First and foremost, to tell you that even though you have found us out there in podcast land, wherever you have found us, you have options. The Fortress of Rock can be found each and every Friday night. New episodes are on Spotify, Anchor, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Apple, Overcast, CastBox, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and Audible. Also, of course, don't forget to check out the Facebook page. We just posted our latest weekend rock project since it's Friday. The last few weeks we talked about war and love. So now let's turn to religion. So this weekend's rock project involves your favorite your best, 
your classic rock songs that discuss the heavens, the angels, God, Jesus, whatever it might be. But we're staying away from the other end. We're going up. We're not going down this week. Next week, we will go down. And we'll talk about the guy with the horns and the red skin. No, it's not racist. Don't take it that way. And I'm not apologizing. So, whatever you want to come up with in terms of great rock songs that involve spirituality, praying, whatever it might be, check out our Facebook page and post your choice. Then, of course, this coming Sunday, New Music Sunday on our Facebook page, where I will always post one new song. Most likely something we talked about last segment in Breakdown or something that's coming up in Breakdown. I have a feeling this week because I am so giddy about the new Extreme Song Rise. I believe that video will probably 99.999% be our video for New Music Sunday on our Facebook page. And then, of course, all the stories, the ideas in segment one, News of the World, and here in segment three, I do my best to come up with this stuff on my own. And, of course, all the opinions, the embellishments, the stories, the rants, the asides, the digressions, that's all me. But the nuggets, the kernels, the truths, the dates, the places, the times. Three main sources, ultimateclassicrock.com, thisdayinmusic.com, and of course, if it's got to do with Van Halen, it's most likely coming from the Van Halen News Desk. All right, let's get into it. Doc Brown is, again, anxious. He wants to wrap this up pull the uh, DeLorean back into the garage because we're still looking at another three hours or so of this thunder snow stuff. Let's start off with birthdays. March the 3rd. Going back to 1966. 57 years old today as we record one of the few rap stars that I like. We've talked in the past about the Sugar Hill Gang. Couple good songs from De La Soul. But for the most part, the last 20, 30 years, you can wipe them off the board for me in terms of hip-hop and rap. I just don't like it. But how could I not love Tone Loke and his two huge, huge hits, Wild Thing and Funky Cold Medina? Again, two of the few rap songs that I really, really like. 
great party songs. I'm sure nowadays the hardcore rap fans would laugh at me because they want to hear misogyny and cursing and swearing and racial racial epithets and and I you know you want to go down that road that's up to you I'm not for censorship if that's the kind of garbage you want to listen to I just reviewed Steel Panther and Steel Panther is filthy nasty in when it comes to sexual innuendo and I get it to each his own. But at least in the end, Steel Panther is harmless. And I still think some of the rap music out there is is recorded to incite violence. In general, to incite violence against women. I don't like it. I will never listen to it. And there are people out there like Ice-T who somehow got a pass for body count and calling for violence against police officers years and years and decades before we had all these riots involving the George Floyd situation. But again, I digress. What I'm trying to get at is something like Tone Loke was fun. We could all get behind it, didn't matter what your skin color was, your economic class. And of course, he happened to sample Van Halen. So how could it be all wrong? How could it be all bad? It wasn't all bad. It was all great. Wild Thing, Funky Cold Medina. Happy birthday, here on the Fortress of Rock to Tone Loke. Going back to March the 3rd of 1954 as we stick with birthdays. John Lilly. Who, you might ask, is John Lilly? One of the members still to this day of a very underrated band. Now, I won't say they were great, but they had some good stuff. The Hooters. John Lilly played, I believe, rhythm guitar for the Hooters. Um, most people, if you remember back, their big hit was And We Danced. To me, the coolest song by far, still to this day, one of my all-time favorite songs that the Hooters put out was All You Zombies. Just a very interestingly constructed song. A little bit of ska, a little bit of reggae in there. Um, to me, as I interpreted the song, a very interesting commentary on being a lemming. That's how I read it. Always loved the song, All You Zombies by the Hooters, one of my all-time favorites. Happy birthday to John Lilly. Then finally for birthdays, going back to March the 3rd of 1953, classic lineup of Ario Speedwagon, of course, now is officially no more. 
I should say the original lineup, not the classic lineup. The classic lineup, you still got Bruce Hall and Kevin Cronin, but the original lineup, the original members are all gone as Neil Dowdy, the last original member, keyboard player for Aria Speedwagon, has bowed out, will not tour with the band anymore. So, of course, people come in, fill in the gaps, sometimes stick around for decades. And that is the case with Dave Amato. Dave Amato is the current lead guitarist for Ario Speedwagon. Of course, when I mention classic lineup, what comes to mind for me at least, and for most rock fans, is Cronin, Dowdy, Bruce Hall, And, of course, the late, great Gary Richrath on lead guitar. Alan Gratzer, of course, drums. Happy birthday to Dave Amato. All right, let's do something different this week. We're already back in 1953, so let us start moving forward and go from the past to the present as we deal with our anniversaries this week. So let's start off in 1966. Doc Brown, by the way, loves this because this really eases the stress on the engine, the 1.21 gigawatts. March the 3rd, 1966, Buffalo Springfield was formed on this day. Now, I am not all in on the hippy-dippy stuff. You guys know that. And Buffalo Springfield especially because you've got Neil Young, Stephen Stills, and, of course, Richie Fury was the third member known for the classic rebellious anthem for what it's worth. Okay, great. I find it interesting that a lot of these these icons of early rock and roll that we look at And again, I'm a guy who is not a big Beatles fan, but you know what I respect about the Beatles? The four members of the Beatles, they were in the Beatles or they were solo artists for the most part. Now we know later on, George Harrison was in the Traveling Wolverines, but that that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in the, the young formative years, when you're putting out your your most energy, your best work, did you ever notice who were the guys that were shifting around and changing bands all the time? Eric Clapton, Neil Young, these quote-unquote rock gods that Rolling Stone and the Rock Hall of Fame just can't get enough of. 
Do you notice how they're the ones that were always jumping from band to band to band? And now you look at it, and they're almost like the LeBron James of rock and roll. And by the way, one of my side projects is Sports Frenzy. You can check that podcast out, Sports Frenzy 2.0, every Thursday morning. But if you look in sports at LeBron James, LeBron James, considered one of the greatest, if not the greatest basketball player of all time. But he had to do it by jumping from team to team to team. Trying to bring new and different people around him all the time to make him better. Because in the end, he really just can't do it on his own like a Michael Jordan. And that's how I kind of look at people like Neil Young, Stephen Stills, and then again I mentioned Eric Clapton, maybe even Jimmy Page to a certain extent. Sorry, Zeppelin fans. Once he got established, though, in Zeppelin, that was it. He found where he wanted to be. So to me, Buffalo Springfield, great. Golf clap, happy. Makes the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, of course, happy because, again, they're so short-sighted, they can't look at the overall picture. They've got to look at the guys who jump from band to band to band and give each and every band that that person was in credit for being something monumental and something different, where I don't think that's fair to a lot of the bands that came later on, a lot of the performers who came later on, who stuck with a band for decades and made them fantastic. We just talked about Dave Amato of REO Speedwagon. When you think of REO Speedwagon, think about the effort, the time that Kevin Cronin has put into REO Speedwagon, even though he's not an original member. And again, I'm biased. I get it. But I'll take a guy like Kevin Cronin, his work ethic, his devotion. Yes, and I know there was friction, fights with him and Gary Richrath. But Neil Young, those type of guys, they're quitters. They are quitters. They are so talented. Again, like LeBron James, you can afford to be a quitter. You can just say, I'm done. I'm moving on to another team. I'm moving on to another band. Kevin Cronin probably could never have done that because he found his place in REO Speedwagon. So he fought and fought and fought to make that band as great as they were. And the rock snobs out there are laughing and snickering. I'll take REO Speedwagon any day of the week over anything, any band, solo, anything, crazy horse, anything Neil Young has ever done. 
All right, moving up the time stream. As we get closer and closer to rejoining the thundersnow in northern Indiana. March the 3rd of 1972. One of the most iconic songs, maybe in rock history, but especially for Elton John. Rocket Man was released on this day in 1972 as a single. And there's a lot of stuff I don't necessarily agree with when it comes to Elton John. But nobody can deny he is one of the greatest rock stars of all time. Now, for me personally, as we move up to 1979, March the 3rd, you can have Elton John, and that's fine. I will never deny his legacy, his importance to the scope of rock history, especially in the 1970s. Maybe it's because I just missed that era. 76, 77. Elton John was still big, but I just missed by a few years his major impact. But the band that caught me, of course, since that was the disco era, was the Bee Gees. We all know Saturday Night Fever incredibly impactful one of the greatest selling albums of all time the soundtrack to john travolta's disco movie made the bgs one of the biggest selling acts of all time how do you follow it up march the third 1979 spirits having flown became the number one album in the u.s now, there was no way, no way the Bee Gees were ever going to match the success of the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. But Spirits Having Flown did a pretty damn good job of it. Of course, the lead-off single was Tragedy. And you can mock me and you can make fun of me putting the Bee Gees on the Fortress of Rock all you want, but I still think to this day, that era of music, R&B, soul, disco, all that good stuff throughout the 70s brought us together. There was no worry about racism, the color of somebody's skin, the style of the music. If it was good, we all listened to it. If it was bad, we all rejected it. Well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe we all listen to it anyway. But Spirits Having Flown, the Bee Gees follow up to Saturday Night Fever, number one on the U.S. album charts today in 1979. Now we want to go 180. You want to talk about as hard of a 180 as you can get. <laughs> 
we jump up to March the 3rd of 1986. Let me just point something out to you that will boggle your mind. Just talked about the Bee Gees. 1979, seven years, seven years later. You would think it was decades between these two albums with how stylistically different they are. March the 3rd of 1986, Metallica released the landmark album Master of Puppets. The first Metallica album that I bought. Of course, this was a precursor to the tragic death of bassist Cliff Burton. And I've told you guys in the past, this album was a little scary to me. Just something about it. Sinister, dark, but oh so good. And that was the album, Master of Puppets, that I believe really opened the door for the widespread appeal to come. Of course, then next was And Justice for All. And then once we got to the Black Album, there were no doors. Those were blown off the hinges long gone. Master of Puppets released on this day in 1986. And then finally, musically going back, but sad to end. I want to go back on this note. A band that I think never got the credit they deserved. They did get credit. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to wail and pound my chest for this band. But at the same time, they still have never gotten the credit they deserve. When you look at the list of people that they've influenced, and again, another Rock and Roll Hall of Fame snub, The great Sammy Hagar, of course, was lead vocalist for Montrose. March the 3rd, 2012, the leader of Montrose, of course, Ronnie Montrose, suffering from prostate cancer, killed himself on this day, again in 2012. And, of course, Sammy, to this day in concert, still plays rock candy. As far as I know, at every show. A band that has survived over time in terms of their sound, their influence... There are some bands out there that if you want to take a pass on them from the 60s, the 70s, I won't fault you for it. But there are some that pop up as you get older 
I've talked about how the Allman Brothers Band became huge for me. But I almost had to wait until I was old enough to get it to start loving the Allman Brothers Band. A teenager is not going to love that kind of stuff. Now with Montrose, I don't know what happened. I don't know where the disconnect happened. Again, just talking about Elton John, same kind of thing with Montrose, just maybe two or three years earlier than when I started getting into music. But looking back with what I know now, listening to interviews with the rockers that I love, that you love, it's undeniable the influence that Montrose had on rock and roll today and rock and roll forever. So 11 years ago today, the late, great Ronnie Montrose died. And that's going to do it for I Want to Go Back. We made it back through the storm. I'll grab a beer. Doc Brown will grab a hot toddy or something like that. Appropriate for a man of his age. I'm not done yet, though. I have still got one more segment left. You know this. Very quick segment four, but very important segment four as we talk about the albums, the concerts, and the songs we will be reviewing in the coming weeks here on The Fortress. Wrap It Up is next. I will be right back. Well, we hope you enjoyed our trip back in time, looking back at the anniversaries, the classic moments in rock and roll history. But of course, the DeLorean works both ways. So now we have to move forward. The last segment here, as always, on the Fortress of Rock with me, the maestro Kevin Crane. Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It's all about the future. What's coming out here in the next month or two? What songs? What albums? What concert tours? That's why we call it Wrap It Up. Thanks to the fabulous Thunderbirds. Thanks to you for hanging out. Here comes our final segment. All right, everybody, once again, thank you for hanging out this week. Episode 81 of the Fortress of Rock, Friday night, March the 3rd, 2023. Time to preview, as we always do here at the end of each and every episode, what we're going to be reviewing, what we're going to be listening to, what we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks. It's what we call Wrap It Up. A tribute to the fabulous Thunderbirds. Next week, our album review, our featured album review, will be the brand new album from Godsmack. 
lighting up the sky next week in the breakdown segment on the Fortress of Rock. I hate to hear what Sully Erna, leader of Godsmack, is saying about how he thinks this could be the last Godsmack album ever. And again, why do these creative types, songwriters, singers, artists, guitarists, go into Hollywood and talk about actors, authors and books, whoever you might be in one of the creative arts, why do you talk about quitting? as a person who wishes he could be one of you, and especially when it came to an author, always wanted to be a writer. Very difficult, very hard to do. Believe me, I've tried. I get the fact that you don't want to tour. That I completely understand. I I, I mean, it boggles my mind how you can be on the road that many days out of the year away from your family away from your children. When you're younger and unattached, I'm sure it's fantastic. We know the stories of debauchery and all of that good stuff, but that doesn't mean you have to stop writing and creating. If that's who you are in your soul, why would you stop? And to hear Sully Erna talking about how Lighting Up the Sky could be the last Godsmack album. Now, a friend of mine told me he heard it was because, well, there's only so many songs we can play in concert. You can change your set list. That's a cop-out. That's a terrible, terrible excuse. That is a cop-out excuse. What you're basically saying is we can't come up with any more good stuff to replace the classic original songs that everybody knows from earlier on in our career when we made our name, when we made our money, when we made our bank. Terrible excuse. And I really hope Sully Erna backtracks on this. I hope that Lighting Up the Sky is not the last Godsmack album, but regardless, that will be our review next week on the Fortress in the Breakdown segment. As far as songs go, I've already gushed as much as I can gush about the new Extreme song, Rise. That is definitely on next week's slate, along with Godsmack. We've got a new Metallica song. Wanted to mention this last segment. Did not, when we were talking about Master of Puppets, third release off of 72 seasons, is If Darkness Had a Sun. We will review that here in the next couple weeks on the Fortress of Rock. We're still looking at reviewing Peter Gabriel, The Court, the second release off his upcoming I-slash-O album, Again, one of these albums that they got to make hard to pronounce. How do you pronounce it? 
God forbid we upset the delicate artiste by not pronouncing his indecipherable album properly. And I could say the same about the Smashing Pumpkins. Is it autumn? Is it autumn? Whatever this massive project collection ends up being, as I mentioned last week, they have released officially the song Empires, but Acts 1 and 2 look to be out already on Spotify, which basically make up a full album and then some. So we will see. That could be a review coming up soon. We've talked about Black Star Writers, of course, last week. We reviewed Crazy Horses. Impressed with that. Impressed with the legacy. Going back to Thin Lizzy. So that new album from them, Wrong Side of Paradise, Again, could be on the slate here coming up. We've got down the road the new Metallica album in April. We've got the new Hold Steady also in April. In June, of course, we've talked about the new Extreme. Today, we have talked about Unfortunately, the delay of Dark Fighter from the Rival Sons, that will be out in June. So we will make it work. Hopefully, Matchbox 20, that new song we talked about in the first segment, along with all the news with Extreme, that new song, Wild Dogs, will be a precursor to a full album. So hopefully, fingers crossed, we're still looking for Mammoth. Mammoth WVH. Wolfgang promised us a new album this year. Said he was going to have it done by the end of January. When I saw him with Alter Bridge a few weeks ago, you guys know the review. I discussed this. No new songs. And if he didn't have it done, he didn't get the album finished, I'm worried because he's going to be on the road for a long, long time with Alter Bridge, with Metallica. Just trying to find the new music for you guys, trying to find the new stuff. We know a new Rolling Stones album is somewhere on the horizon, probably in 2023. So keep your rock and roll chin up, as I will. We will keep our eyes out, keep our ears peeled. I think I mixed my metaphors there. Do you keep your eyes peeled and your ears out? Nose out, nose to the grindstone. Whatever it takes, we will find you the best in new music. We will find you the latest in rock and roll news here on The Fortress. I will mix my metaphors, but in the end, it's all about the music. I'm the maestro, Kevin Crane. Glad to have you aboard here. 
next week, March the 10th, episode 82. Hope you're there with me. Friday night, as always, take care. Talk to you next week.